0: It's Tuesday, March 3rd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus, is dominating headlines every day as more cases pop up around the world. In order to keep you updated on what to know, we are going to do regular updates on what's important. In the United States, we have at least 100 confirmed cases and six deaths. My producer, Victor Wright, joins me to discuss the latest and why you need to stop buying face masks. Next, Super Tuesday is here and we'll tell you about the top storylines to watch all day. Bernie Sanders is leading the delegate count, so will he be able to keep up that momentum? Joe Biden is coming off a huge win in South Carolina and picked up some key endorsements from Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. How well will he fare? And it's also the first time Mike Bloomberg is on the ballot. How will all that ad spending work out for him? Rebecca Clark, reporter at The Hill, joins us for more. Finally, Clearview AI, the facial recognition app that scrapes photos from social media and the internet, is also developing surveillance cameras. While Clearview has said that their service is for law enforcement only, the surveillance cams are being shopped around to other industries. Carolyn Haskins, tech reporter at BuzzFeed News, joins us for more on this fast-rising startup. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: Within the next 12 hours, Uh, uh, there will be 100% screening all direct flights at all airports across uh, Italy and across South Korea. Joining
0: me now is my producer, Victor Wright. Thanks for being here, Victor. Thank you. We're going to be doing an update on the COVID-19, the coronavirus. There's news about this dominating the headlines every single day, and it's a fast-changing story. So we're going to be doing regular updates just to keep you informed on what's happening. Right now, we have a total of at least 100 cases and six deaths. There was already two deaths reported over the weekend, four more that we found out about. These are all in the Seattle area, and they were all elderly people. They were residents of King County, Washington. All six of these deaths have occurred at the Evergreen Health Hospital in Kirkland up there. The new deaths that were announced included three women, two in their 80s and one in their 70s. And this kind of coincides with what we've been talking about. People with compromised immune systems are at greater risk of death, although the majority of people experience mild symptoms. It's gotten so crazy that in King County, the officials there have declared a state of emergency, and they said that the county is considering buying a hotel to be used as a hospital for when patients need to be isolated. As I said, there's been a lot more testing. We're starting to see how it's spreading across the country, and more testing is going to bring confirmed cases But experts say to stay calm, it doesn't mean the virus is gaining speed in its spread. We're just starting to get this picture now of how it's spreading, something that was previously invisible. I'll get into some more of the details in just a moment. But one of the things that a lot of people have been very worried about is the spread. How do you catch it? And people are going overboard on buying these surgical masks that they think is going to help. We see countries like China and Japan just wear it all the time. It's even part of the culture there in Japan But the Surgeon General just came out with a warning saying, stop buying these masks. It either is not working, you're doing it wrong, or you're keeping it from somebody that actually needs it. Victor, tell us a little bit about what we need to know with regards to these masks.
1: Yeah, on top of the Surgeon General saying that, the WHO, the World Health Organization, also sent out a tweet with a guide of when you need to use a mask. And there are four main reasons. One, masks are meant for healthy people, who are going to be taking care of a person with a suspected coronavirus infection. Two, wear a mask if you are coughing or sneezing. Three, masks are effective only when used in combination with frequent hand cleaning with alcohol-based hand rub or soap and water. Four, if you wear a mask, then you must know how to use it and dispose of it properly. So, there are two kinds of masks. The first is an N 95 respirator and that's the one that is supposed to actually help you prevent getting an airborne disease such as the coronavirus and it's specially fitted for you so that it blocks out 95 percent of airborne illnesses
0: right that's really the only one that's going to work for you everything else really is not made for that i mean there's loose fitting surgical masks that you might see i think people get this impression of i just cover my face and i'll be good But if it's not fitted around your face, then things can get in there.
1: Even worse than that, if it's not fitted for your face, people tend to fidget and touch it. And that means you're touching your face. And that's one of the things that the CDC and the WHO and the Surgeon General are trying to stop you from doing. And then there was a mass run on N95 respirators. Like Amazon was basically sold out and now people were trying to buy them at a hugely inflated price.
0: And they say every time you get these masks, it's one less for an actual healthcare worker who was working with people that might be contagious. And they're the ones that really need it.
1: If you're a healthy person, do what you do during the flu season or what you should be doing year round. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face as much as possible. If you're sick, stay home from school or work. And if you need to cough, cough into your elbow.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit more about the response to all of this now. There's no proven treatments for COVID-19. It is called the novel coronavirus. Obviously, it's brand new, so people don't have immunities to anything. In China, scientists have been testing combinations of HIV drugs against the new virus. Whatever antiviral-type medicines that they have, they're testing them to see what could happen. Here in the United States, on Capitol Hill, there's negotiations on a bipartisan emergency measure that could cost between 7 to $8 billion to help battle all of this. The measure seems to be on track. And they hope that they can pass this quickly through the House and the Senate by the end of the week. When it's something like this, Congress generally tends to work together on this. So we'll see very soon more money thrown at this and more efforts to contain all this. But right now, the worry is community spread, things like that. As Victor mentioned, wash your hands and stay vigilant that way. So we'll be doing some regular updates on COVID-19. And we'll be covering a lot of different angles about how this virus is spreading across the world. Thank you, Victor. Thank you. The Democrats want a nominee
1: who's a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Obama Biden Democrat.
0: And join us. Joining us now is Rebecca Klar, reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. We have a little Super Tuesday preview. These are going to be a lot of the storylines that you're going to be hearing. Throughout the day until the polls close in the evening, right off the bat, I mean, over the past weekend, we had a bunch of people drop out of the race. Tom Steyer, Pete Buttigieg, who is set to endorse Joe Biden. Amy Klobuchar also exited the race, and she also signaled that she's going to be endorsing former Vice President Joe Biden. Rebecca, let's start right there and just talk about how big this is, what this means for the race right now.
2: I mean, it's definitely sort of the signal that with these candidates leaving the race before Super Tuesday, especially announcing that they're set to endorse Biden, there's sort of this idea of if they can sort of bring this coalition of more moderate voters together in order to get more delegates behind Joe Biden to fend off a challenge from Senator Bernie Sanders, who's heading into Super Tuesday already with the lead in delegates.
0: It was an interesting dynamic because when Joe Biden got into the race very early on, he was the front runner in a lot of national polls. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm the most electable. He was basically running against Donald Trump at the beginning. But Bernie Sanders, not necessarily coming out of nowhere, but Bernie Sanders just had this big surge and he's leading in a lot of polls. So now they have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. He's running against Bernie Sanders for in this Primary season, And as you mentioned, yeah, the more moderate lane. So Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar throwing their support mm-hmm. in there to get this coalition is very important. For Super Tuesday, we have 14 states that are voting. We have about 1300 pledged delegates up for grabs and two of the biggest states that are voting, California and Texas. Those are going to be very important states for whoever wins those. What are we looking at with regards to them?
2: So with California, Senator Bernie Sanders has very wide lead in, in most polls of the state and he, you know, likely will win there. But it is also a matter of if Joe Biden or even if Elizabeth Warren or Michael Bloomberg can sort of win over some of the delegates or if Bernie Sanders will get all 415 pledge delegates that California has. So that'll be a big thing to look for, especially with Pete Buttigieg dropping out and a little bit with Amy Klobuchar dropping out as well, you know, that could sort of give Biden this lead, even if he doesn't win California, to pick up some of those pledged delegates that may have gone towards someone like Pete
0: Buttigieg. One of the interesting things about California also is that only the candidates who break 15% will win a proportional share Mm -hmm. of those delegates. So if somebody polling more at the bottom, you know, like you said, an Amy Klobuchar or something, if they don't get 15%, they're not even going to get any delegates. So this does become that two-way race between Bernie Sanders and (laughs) Joe Biden. And not to mention, though, Mike Bloomberg. This is his first time really on the ballot anywhere, and it's going to be the real test to see how all that money is working out for him, because he's creeping up in the polls in a lot of different places.
2: Yeah, he definitely is, you know, and especially in some of the states that haven't had as much polling done, if he can pick up some of those delegates in other states or even pick up delegates even in states that he doesn't win. You know, I think his campaign is sort of been committed to this idea of staying in the race until the convention. So I think that's definitely part of their strategy, just picking up as many delegates as they can.
0: What are some of the states where Mike Bloomberg might do really well? So he has been
2: polling pretty well in Virginia, which sort of voters are really focused on gun control, which is something that he's been a big advocate for and has been pushing throughout his career. So that could help him out there. He's also doing better, was polling well in Arkansas, sort of between him and
0: Joe Biden. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see, as you mentioned, about the polls. Really, it's hard to see Joe Biden won South Carolina, obviously, but we don't know what kind of bump he's going to get from that due to these polls, because a lot of these polls were done before the South Carolina primaries, before we had those results mm-hmm. there. But Joe Biden has racked up a lot of endorsements, and it's going to be interesting to see what true bump he has. But we have to wait till the polls close on that.
2: Definitely. I think it'll also be interesting. You know, there are some of these states where people are funding off Home state challenges against Bernie Sanders will be interesting to look at. So no longer in Minnesota because Amy Klobuchar dropped out. So maybe that'll swing to Biden an advantage, but I'll probably end up going to Sanders. But Elizabeth Warren might not be the winner in Massachusetts, which is the state she's most likely to win on Tuesday. But Bernie Sanders has been creeping up in the polling there, and he had a rally with more than 10,000 people in Boston. So she um, definitely has a challenge from him, even in her home state.
0: One of the polls I had seen, Bernie Sanders was at 24%. Elizabeth Warren was at 22%. So it's very close there. And that's in her home state right there. So that's going to be a tough one if she loses. And I guess the big question after that, what happens to Elizabeth Warren and Mike Bloomberg after Super Tuesday? They're the last two that really figure in this race. Now that Bernie Sanders has kind of gotten a lead with delegates, Joe Biden seems to have a little bit of momentum and more people endorsing him. It's going to be really interesting to see what Bloomberg and Warren do after Super Tuesday to see if they're going to stick in it.
2: With Elizabeth Warren, I think her campaign, you know, has also seen sort of an influx in donations since post-Nevada that may have not been early enough to play into South Carolina. So I think that she definitely could have a better day Tuesday in some states that maybe hasn't been indicated yet and could be sort of a surprise and win over some of those delegates, especially because I think even though Pete Buttigieg is set to endorse Biden, I don't think that's to say that everyone that's, supporting him will support Biden. They might still want to pick someone who they view as more of an outsider or someone who hasn't run before, which was a very core reason that a lot of people were supporting him.
0: Rebecca Clark, reporter at the Hill, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Great. Thank you.
3: We were able to link Clearview to two separate companies. One is V6 and one is Realware, And both of these companies are listed in a document that shows people that have used Clearview.
0: Joining us now is Carolyn Haskins, tech reporter at BuzzFeed News. Thanks for joining us, Carolyn. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to be talking a little bit more about this facial recognition company called Clearview AI. Through some reporting that you guys are doing at BuzzFeed News, we're finding out that they have another company that they're kind of own, I guess, or they're associated with that is called Insight Camera. And they're working on surveillance cameras that could obviously, it all kind of works together. It uses the facial recognition software. So Carolyn, tell us a little bit about this and what this company is doing, because they've been getting a lot of scrutiny in the past few months.
3: Basically, we found out that Clearview appears to be developing this division under the company called Insight Camera. And so this is sort of a hardware wing of Clearview AI. And we've confirmed that two clients have used it. One is the United Federation of Teachers, and two is Rooted Management, a real estate company. And the United Federation of Teachers said that they use the security cameras to sort of identify and filter out people who had made threats against staff and rooted management confirmed that they were using it, but it's unclear if it was being used in their office buildings, in their real estate holdings. But the United Federation of Teachers did say that they were using a closed system, meaning that they provided clear view with faces or people that they wanted to match up against in real time from inside camera meaning that this is a little bit different than how Clearview works normally because just as a little summary of what Clearview does, it's pretty much known for scraping images off of social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, and violating the terms of service. I think it's terms of service, even if it's plural, uh, (laughs) of those companies in order to have this really wide net of pictures that can match up people against But Insight Camera kind of shows that Clearview is also prioritizing the needs of some of these private sector clients who may have specific security requests or
0: needs. One of the interesting things with this, too, is uh, taking a little step into the future, almost things that you see in movies where they're also trying to experiment with wearables, with augmented reality glasses. So the assumption is that you can just wear these glasses and just kind of start identifying people as you walk by them
3: kind of unclear what state of development that the smartware is in. I don't know what the exact word would be. Probably augmented reality glasses would be the best way to describe it. But we were able to link Clearview to two separate companies. One is V6 and one is Realware. And both of these companies are listed in a document that shows people that have used Clearview. And so it appears that employees for V6 have run over 300 searches and employees for have run about 100 searches. So there's a link to the company in that sense. But in addition, as we noted in the article, some of the companies that ViewSix is listed as operating in are some of the same countries that Clearview has personally said in both its advertising materials and in client document materials that it's working with. So this would include like United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, so these are all countries that Clearview has a relationship with and it's unclear if these clients are shared, but in any event, it appears that Clearview is trying to provide some of these like specific services for different kinds of clients. And although Clearview says that it's a tool that's designed for law enforcement, there's a lot of different products that are being introduced to serve some of these private sector clients.
0: And how did you come to connect these two, uh, Clear view and insight camera. It seemed like there was a, a little bit of good detective work done by you guys there at BuzzFeed News.
3: So I have to give a major shout out to Logan McDonald, who played a really crucial role here. But basically, she was able to determine that both Clearview AI and Insight Camera both have login pages that communicate to the same server. And these servers appear to be what Clearview is using to power its services. And when we reached out to Clearview for comment on this story, the Insight website came down entirely. And so Clearview hasn't said this is us, but this happened about 90 minutes after we reached out. And they also shared code that mentioned something called Fastlane, which is a check-in app, and we haven't gotten confirmation from Clearview about that, but there appears to be proof linking the two entities that's built into the very infrastructure that they use.
0: I mean, it's just an interesting look, as I mentioned, into Clearview. They kind of came on the scene with this facial recognition software, as you mentioned, scrubbing public images from the internet. And there's been law enforcement agencies that have used it and some have bought into it even, you know, a lot of them didn't go through with it all, but it seems to be working kind of. But with all this new stuff always arises these issues of privacy. And now we're finding out they're developing surveillance cameras and for possible use in the private sector, as you mentioned, banking, retail, insurance, all this stuff. So, yeah, it's just uh, interesting kind of how this company has come up from obscurity, really. And now there's a lot of focus on them.
3: Clearview is a pretty small startup and it's still been able to expand to a pretty large client base and a pretty large group of users. And pretty much all the time when we're looking at whether it's like Clearview or any facial recognition company, a lot of times you see that the rate at which they're able to develop their technology and find new clients is faster than journalists like us are able to sort of like unearth things and talk about it or the rate at which lawmakers are able to respond because, you know, as multiple activists, lawyers, and experts have noted to us, there's really no regulation that's curtailing or regulating the use of facial recognition in the private sector at all. And in terms of law enforcement, there's only a handful of cities that regulate the use of facial recognition by police. So we're really seeing companies like Clearview grow, thrive, and succeed in sort of this vacuum that exists in this country right
0: now. Carolyn Haskins, tech reporter at BuzzFeed News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.